Hello, everybody. This is Bill Knauer. You're listening to Author to Author, where we talk about writing and life. Because what it takes to write the book you want to write is also what it takes to lead the life you want to lead. It's true. It's true, people. Author to Author is brought to you by Author Magazine, premier free writing magazine on the Internet, featuring articles on writing and the writing life, as well as video interviews with best-selling and award-winning authors across the genres. That's right. I think I mentioned last time I got a conversation up there right now. Uh, had to do something a little different this time around. Usually I sit down with three cameras and the lighting and the, not this time. Nope. Nope. Had to do it over Zoom. But you know what? It was good. It's the full 30 minutes. Not a chopped up 10 minute. Nope. We just had a nice conversation. Me and the wonderful Laura Munson. Yes. A novelist, memoirist, leader of a fabulous writing retreat. Well, we talked about all kinds of stuff. And I got to say, it was a great conversation, and I didn't mind the Zoom thing at all, and I was glad to do it, and we're going to do another one uh, for next month's also, because that's what you got to do right now. And you can see it all on authormagazine.org, and we're funded by the fabulous people at the Pacific Northwest Writers Association. We've been supporting writers from pen to publication since 1955, and we're not going to start just because there is a global pandemic. No, we're not. We've got some classes. We're going to start teaching some classes virtually. And we have a writer's conference every year. Well, that's going to happen somehow or another. Yes, it is. Maybe it'll be live. Maybe it'll be sort of live, sort of virtual. Maybe it'll be all virtual. I don't know, but it's going to happen. Yes, it is, because we don't stop. No, we don't. No, we don't let things like that stop us. You can learn about that. If you want to take some classes, see, now with the, see, the virtual thing, you don't have to be in the Northwest to take the class. No, you don't. Normally, you have to, but no, not anymore. You can be anywhere, anywhere at all. We're going to have more classes. So check it out at uh, pnwa.org. Yes. Well, today we're gonna to get we're gonna get back to my writing roots, poetry. Uh, I don't know, I've mentioned that before, but I'm gonna mention it again. Poetry is sort of where I started, so I'm glad to be talking to Gloria Mindock. Uh, she is the founding editor of uh, Trevena Barva Press and one of the USA editors for Louvre Louvre Literaire. She is the author of I Wish Franco uh, Francisco Franco would love me, Whiteness of Bones, Heaven's Gate. Uh, and nothing divine here. Oh, and blood-soaked dresses. Uh, she has been published in numerous literary journals, including Gargoyle, Web to Soul, Poet Lore, Constellations, a journal of poetry and fiction, Ibbotson, Muddy River Poetry Review, Unlikely Stories, and Nix's Mate Review and Anthology. Uh, Gloria has also been awarded the Ibbotson Street Press Lifetime Achievement Award and and was the recipient of the Allen Ginsberg Award of Community Service by the Newton Writing and Publishing Center. Here with me now, Gloria. How you doing? Hi. Thanks for having me. I'm doing great. Are you? Are you? You hanging in there? Oh, I am. I'm getting a lot done, actually. Yeah. This is a uh, situation sort of tailor-made for the average writer, isn't it? It's It's not a... For most of us, it's not an enormous uh, upset to our lives, I don't think. How about you? I shouldn't speak. Maybe it is for you. I don't know. Are you doing a lot of teaching or anything? No, it's not at all. Actually, I'm in heaven. The only (laughs) hard part is I I go stir-crazy at home because I'm so used to being out and about, but I can handle it because I'm getting writing done. (laughs) Yeah. Yeah. We. uh, My wife and I have noted that. She's a writer and an artist, and I'm a writer, and I... Even though I have a client, a lot of my clients are virtual also. And so it really, 
didn't change my life a whole hell of a lot. I do like to go places from time to time, so I've missed that. But the rest of it, no, I, you know, so so it's a, not a bad thing for a writer. We get a lot of work done, and when you say a lot of writing done, eh, well, let's see, let's back up, let's back up, let's not get to the writing you're doing now. Let's get to where this journey began for you. Were you a young scribbler? Or did you come to writing a little later in your life, like in high school or college, which I consider later, frankly? I have to say later in um, high school and college. Um, early on, I wrote music and did oh. a lot of singing and performing. And then um, my mother always would recite Robert Frost to me and Robert Lowell. And I'd go, get away from me. I don't want to hear that. I can't stand <laughs> right. it. Right. <laughs> And then little did I know um, that in around 1982, I would get the bug. And after that, it was uh, nonstop writing. At first, I wrote experimental plays and then changed into poetry. Interesting. So you got bit by the bug. Uh, you got bit by first. So theater was the first. So you were writing stuff that you were performing. kind Because of, you said you were you had kind of a performance bent. And so you were writing stuff that you might yourself be in or put other people in or how did that work? Um, both actually I ran a theater company from 84 to 94 I should say I co-founded it and um, it was really wonderful and then the funding dried up and uh, yeah. so and then I changed uh, I retired from the stage at age 40 and then um, you know I thought okay that's enough <laughs> right right and went more concentrating on writing Right, and, and poetry was right away what you went to? Uh, after the plays, yes. Uh-huh. Yeah. And so what? So talk to you, why poetry? Uh, it's a very, you know, it's theater, uh, very different than poetry. It's so, um, so, I mean, it's just, it's just talk, talk, talk. And, and, uh, and, and poetry, it's a much sparer, I think, uh, art form. Not that there's anything against playwrights, but it's a different kind of thing. What made you move over in that direction? When I started reading translations, um, which back in the 1980s were really harder to find, it wasn't very available here in the U.S., and I fell in love with Eastern European writers. They spoke to me. They wrote how I write, their use of images, and their lines sometimes you know, would surprise me, and I was hooked, and I felt like I had a home um, because I don't feel like sometimes I belong here <laughs> with my writing and that really? it's more overseas. Interesting. What, so what's the big difference between over here and over there? Besides, I mean, what, can you be more specific? Uh, what, oh, that, what, that's hard. <laughs> yeah. Let me think. Maybe their use of images. Um, I mean, sometimes they put words where you normally wouldn't use them. And these are some of the older writers, um, not so much the newer contemporary writers. Right. Um, and I just felt so at home with them. Um, that's the best I can describe it. Yeah, yeah. Well, it's so important. You know, it's quite brave of you that you did that because, you know, finding a home for yourself in one way or another creatively, whether it's the genre or the style or even the country, so important, uh, finding the right readers and that you saw something in the Eastern Europeans and were willing to head that direction creatively. Uh, it couldn't have been easy uh, because it's a long ways away. And uh, you know, that's just not where you are. And <laughs> yep. it seems, 
it seems like it would take some courage to do, but maybe it didn't take any at all. I don't know. What was it like for you? Uh, in the beginning, when I would send work out, it was hard to find a home for my work. And then that changed. And now in the U.S., it's more acceptable. There's more people I, I find writing um, like I like and like me. And yeah. I have some wonderful writer friends in my life um, who understand my work. And they're very good at helping me, um, you know, when it comes to editing my poetry. Right. Um, so I, I feel so much more comfortable now, and you know, and I've been um, publishing, uh, having things accepted, which is really nice because you know how yes. that is—the rejection, yes. the exception, yeah. uh, acceptances. Yeah. Ugh. <laughs> yeah, yeah. And I hate sending out, and I make myself do it. You still hate sending out. Still oh, I don't do. like it. Ugh. <laughs> what What don't you like about? It? Like describe. I mean, I can guess, but I want to hear from you specifically. What, what what goes through your mind when you sit down to send out? It's just grunt work. Where do I send to? What right. poems? All those things. I used to only send out once a year, and now I'm making myself do it more. Right, right. But it's a, it's right. just a chore to me. <laughs> yeah. And then the waiting the, game. <laughs> yeah, it's not the fun part, is it? It's one no, thing about no. books. When I write a book, it's like... You don't have to, it's just one big chunk, and you do it, and if they and find someone, great, but it's not all the, you know, the 10 stories or the 30 poems or whatever. you got to wait on all of them. It's a lot of waiting. So you still don't like, well, that's good. You know, that's good to hear, Gloria, because it's a kind of a, it's a universal thing for writers, and it's good to know that we're all still dealing with it no matter how long we've been at this game. You know, it sort of doesn't necessarily go away just because you start having some success. Yeah? Mm-hmm. Yeah, I don't think it'll ever go away for me. <laughs> yeah. Well, okay, so um, so what uh, did your – I when I was writing poetry, part of the reason it's – I mean, I liked just the form, but I did like doing poetry readings It because the actor, performer, public speaker in me was very comfortable in that situation. Uh, did the – did your time on the stage help you when you came to – came time to read your poetry aloud? Did you read your oh, poetry def- aloud? definitely. Yeah, definitely. I would say maybe my first five readings, I was petrified only because it, I wrote it. It was my work. It wasn't somebody right. else's dialogue. And um, and then after that, I was, you know, fine. And and now I feel really good about sharing and reading my work. And I have a philosophy. This is going to sound kind of strange, but I used it in theater and I still use it today is if I can reach one person in the audience with my work, I'm happy. Yeah. It, you know, I think it's a really good philosophy because, um, because cause you know the experience. Because I remember I was teaching a class and, like, I think two people showed up <laughs> instead of mm-hmm. 20 or something. I was like, you know what, Bill, just teach these two people. Just try to help these two people. And let that like this, they're they're just as human as twenty people. Like it's the same thing, and mm-hmm. it made a huge difference. And the look in one person's eye is no less significant than the look in twenty people's or a hundred people's. When it, mm-hmm. I totally agree. But you have to work on your ego with it, don't you? And maybe you didn't have to, but it seems to me that that's something you really have to get serious with and not play a numbers game. Yeah, I, you know, I never really worried about it. I mean, I'm human. Yes, I want people to read my work and hopefully like it. I know I know not everybody will like it. That's okay with right. me. 
but yeah. I leave my ego out of it. I just, whatever happens, happens, and I take things in stride, and I've always been able to do that, and I think for me it's healthy to do that. Very much, very much. You leave your ego out of it. That's impressive. Is there, are there places where that you, it's harder for you to leave your ego out of things? Um, let me think here. That's a hard question. Um, I mean, I, I, I think I have a healthy ego. Um, <laughs> I, I don't know. You know, that's hard to answer. That's all right. You know what? Let's I have to go. think about that one. <laughs> maybe, well, maybe you don't, maybe your ego doesn't, maybe it doesn't get too, uh, maybe it doesn't play a huge role in your life, uh, at this point, which would be just fine. I don't want to, I don't want to try and dig anything up. Uh, so when you start a poem, when you when you're starting work, where do you what do you start with? Like, what's your starting place usually for you? Like, how do do you do you have scraps of paper with little things jotted down on them? Do you how does it begin? Um, usually for a couple of days in my head, I'll be thinking uh, it could be oh something I heard or saw on TV or even a movie sometimes might trigger it or a book. And I'll stew on uh, something for a few days, and then it will come out on paper. I write a lot about the atrocities in the world, and uh-huh. um, so that helps trigger me. Not that I don't write other things, but usually I stew about it for a while, and then and then it comes out. And then I have to put it away for a few days, and then go back to it and edit it. Right. And, and when that's you're pretty much about- how I work. And when you're stewing about it, are you looking for, is it language you're waiting for to come to you or a sort of point of view? Because I always think of the poet is sort of like, I think of it, I know it sounds like a strange thing, but it's sort of like a stand-up comedian or a memoirist, which is that you're wanting, you, you know, like, so you're talking about the, the atrocities, for instance. That's a thing, that's a fact, right? It's a mm-hmm. fact. Yes. But then there's the question of what is the way you're going to look at that fact? That's everything. And so are you... Turn, I would, in my mind, when I'm writing about my own life, which I do, that's sort of it, I just look at the event and I kind of turn it in my mind like a diamond until I'm seeing it from the angle that I want. Does, is that what you're stewing on or is there, is there a different way you're thinking about it that tells think, you it's time to write about it? I think about it in terms of almost a story, like an example in El Salvador, um, they hang, bo- they hung body parts in the trees to shame the villagers during the Civil War. So uh, that's an image I stewed on for a while. I mean, I just couldn't imagine that or seeing that or finding out, um, you know, maybe a piece of clothing and you know it's your husband or a family member, um, they're, right. they're part of their body hanging on the tree. And so I kind of think about how I would feel and have that empathy. Um, and I think about that for, you know, a few days, and then it will come out in uh, on paper. So usually it's just the images and a story in my head before I can write about it. When did you start wanting to write about that kind of material? What, when did that first attract you, and what about it attracted you? Uh, in college, we were protesting um, the Americans' role um, in El Salvador, and then um, there was a priest in Carbondale. I was there at the time, and he was just wonderful. And that's how I first learned about everything that was happening there, um, such as the three nuns uh, when they were killed and raped, and right. um, the Jesuit priest, and then, of course, later Roscoe Romero being assassinated. And I just thought it was 
horrific. And after that, I was off and running. Uh, I started to pay more attention to what was happening in the world. And, I mean, we've had so many genocides, and the world turns its you know, a blind eye to it, basically, just right. like right now in Syria. And so I want to be a voice for the people that have no voice. And that's real important to me. So I became heavily into social justice. Right. And and do you feel, how do you, because I always feel like with whatever you're writing, it's got to be, you've got to make it personal on some level, right? It's not, ha- mm-hmm. so this thing isn't happening to you, but you've got to, it's got to come through you, through your psyche, your life, and how do you, because these are things that are happening that are, you know, not in your immediate life, and that mm-hmm. makes a difference, I think, but obviously you make it personal to you, so how does it, how do you look at it personally when you think about these things? Well, you know, I mean, I research, I also, if I can, talk to witnesses or people that have been through it, and right. I have a really um, I would say good empathy. I, I've worked in um, addictions as a counselor and clinical director for almost 40 years. Oh. Um, people always tell me their problems no matter what, and I and I think about that, and that also helps me put it down on paper. And I write things in first person with the atrocities. I feel yeah. like I can identify more by writing that way. Um, so that's... You know, that's how it works for me, and I think theater also helped that. I can put myself in a character and go from there, <laughs> you know, so but it's you, been easy. That is interesting because, you know, you know what you You seem like a very happy spirit, Gloria. And, oh, I am. Uh, I, you are, <laughs> and it's quite interesting that, you're, that you have trained your, your happy spirit on some unhappy experiences, but obviously that has not dimmed your enthusiasm for i assume life itself and maybe people because it's always the atrocities they aren't being done by elephants you know it's always people (laughs) and so Mm -hmm. this hasn't uh soured you on the rest of the human race no and i always get asked all the time how can you write about such bad things and and i I go well i do write about other things too (laughs) right but i get that a lot yeah, well, sure. You know, because I think people want to know, like, because it's a, it's a, it's ability to focus and keep your heart full of love. You got to have it. You got to have mm-hmm. it. Even when people are, because that's, you know, that's I think when we think about atrocities, to me, it's always, you know, it is those atrocities are against, I think, against humans' true nature, against our mm-hmm. true selves, which I always have felt is governed by love. And so when you see something so without it so with where love is so blocked out um it's hard to fathom how anyone could live within that perspective and act from that perspective but obviously it's possible but i think it's so important to hang on to the notion that love remains sort of the guiding arc of human life at least that's my point of view perhaps you don't quite hold that i don't know no, think? I believe I believe in it. I mean, I was lucky. I grew up in a with a, a you know a great family, um, and I have great friends in my life, and I know they care about me as I care about them, and my family. And not everybody is fortunate like that. And I don't know why. I just always um, been a positive person, and 
um, and try to spread that and help other people as much as I can. And that's probably why I became a social worker. I always feel like I have to help in some capacity. Right. Well, it feels good to help people. I got to say, it feels good to bring people, to bring people sort of, uh, I think of it as back to themselves in a way. Uh, I find it, I find it very grounding. Um, when you, so when did you found, uh, uh, Trevena Barbara press? How long, when did that start? In 2005. And, um, for me, it's the best thing I ever did because it brought so many people into my life that uh, normally I would have never corresponded with or met. So it's been really wonderful. And what? So what? What was the impetus behind that? What made you decide I'm going to start my own press? It seems like a whole thing. <laughs> what? <laughs> what? What started that? Well, I was influenced by uh, Václav Havel from the Czech Republic oh, yeah, uh, yeah. when the communist, when that fell in 1989. And he was a playwright, a dissident. Um, he was those things that attracted me to him. And it ended peaceful there, of course, when right. uh, com- when the communist, uh, communism fell. And I decided to pick a Czech name and... Actually, the press name means red color in Czech. And at first I wanted red blood, but I thought, oh, that's probably a little too much. So I changed it. Right. And And so so we just turned 15, so I'm really excited. That's great. And so, and what is the sort of, do you have a sort of guiding principle for the press? Um, I would say I'm open to all forms of writing, but it has to really hit me. And, uh, you know, with the images and, um, you know, granted, my favorite thing to publish is translations, but I'm open to um, everything. And and it's been great. And what do you are you personally are you reading all the manuscripts coming in or you just are you just the final say so on it? Well, I I read the manuscripts. Lately, I've had a few um, guests read manuscripts for me and uh, pick out some ones that they liked. Um, and then I used to hold a chat book contest. I stopped that for right now. I'll probably go back to that once in a while, but now I just solicit uh, full-length manuscripts. Um, I think I, um, but I don't want to close the door to anyone, so that's why I still have open, uh, open, an open reading period for the chat books. Right. And how did, it, how did uh, getting on the other side of the acceptance rejection desk change your relationship to writing if at all now that you're the one saying yeah the people are sending to you how does it did that change anything for you well i always try to be kind when rejecting it's not an easy thing to do and you know and i really hate that part because i know how we all feel when we're sending out our work um, yeah. But I have to kind of separate myself a little, but I always try to be um, nice, sometimes write a little note. If I get too many, sometimes that's a little hard to do, but I try right. to be conscious of that. <laughs> right. Right. And I, and, um, oh, go, go ahead. ahead. I'm sorry. No, no, you go ahead. You're my guest. You go ahead. Oh, uh, well, hey. <laughs> <laughs> no, but I I used to edit um uh, two magazines earlier on before the press, and and um, I just saw how 
how sometimes it's done when people send you a rejection, you know, a form letter. Yeah. <laughs> and yeah. I thought, well, even a sorry in handwriting, you took that time to write sorry. <laughs> right. Or something. Yeah. Well, it's true. It's nice to make it. It's nice to make it personal. And um, has it changed your own reaction to when you're sending out and getting stuff back? Do you think about it differently, or is it not? Well, we started off by saying you don't like to send us those, so I guess maybe it hasn't changed it all that much. No. <laughs> no. <laughs> it has. It hasn't changed. I'm like, okay, they didn't. They didn't want it. Onward. <laughs> right. Right. You have to have a thick skin. If you take it personal, you won't do anything. No. No, you will not. No, the the knives will drive too deep. You won't like it. Uh, and so, what what's Gloria like? What is she like interested in right now? What's got her attention? right now what has as her creative eye roams the countryside what has got her attention these days oh gosh um back to true crime <laughs> i've been watching really? serial killer shows and <laughs> oh no oh my god <laughs> i love it um, my mother and i um my mother had a love for that too and we we would read all these books and um and i watch whenever something's on about a serial killer I just love it, and you know, maybe in another lifetime, I would have liked to have been a forensic um, wow. um, scientist or uh, a person that oh, I forgot what you call it, um, a profiler. <laughs> right. Interesting. You know what you remind me of? I have a couple friends, uh, or I've one friend and and uh, people I've interviewed who I can think of three just off the top of my head who write serial killer novels. That's what they write. And they are the nicest, sunniest, <laughs> happiest <laughs> group. Of, they are. It's true. And what, And so are you. And so uh, what is that? I don't understand it, but it seems to be a consistent thing. It must be, it must be cleansing in some way. I get, when I watch those things, which I do sometimes, it, it keeps me up. It gets oh, me it does? <laughs> oh, it's, I, I am so porous, Gloria. It's just terrible. I can't. I it, really, I just need to watch romantic comedies, and if it's not that, I'm just I'm done for. So I don't know. This maybe I'm too uh, just too sensitive. I don't know. I, I watch that before I go to bed. You watch the, the true crime stuff before you go to bed? Oh yes, and especially well, Bill, my other half, he works overnight some of the time, and I'll be watching that stuff, and then I turn it off and I go to sleep. Wow, wow. Well, you've just you know you just you've got. You just have an open heart. You let it through. You don't hang on to it. You don't mull it. I do. I I think about it. I oh, it's awful. All right. Well, that's interesting. Maybe will that inform your poetry at all? Do you think? It hasn't. It hasn't yet gotten into my poetry. But who knows? You know, it don't might you think at some all, point. <laughs> don't you think it's all cooking around in there somewhere? It's got to be, doesn't it? It's gonna bubble up at some point in some way, in some form or I another. Ho- I hope so, or I'm insane. <laughs> <laughs> It's got to. It's got to. I. I. The. 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 the what was her name? Um, Chelsea Kane. She writes serial killer stuff. She's down in Portland, and she said before she did it, she she found herself just watching one gory show. It was just she couldn't get enough blood. There couldn't be enough blood in what she was watching, and she didn't know why. She just kept like soaking herself in it, and then next thing she knew, she was writing about Ted Bundy. So you see. <laughs> uh, she just was preparing herself. So maybe, I don't know, maybe did. All right. Well, so listen, if, uh, if people want to learn more about Gloria, where should they go? What should they do? How are they going to learn more about you? Okay. Well, I don't have a, um, my 
website's under construction, so I don't have that uh, yet. But um, you can find me at www.trevainabarbapress.com. And then um, the bookstore is at www.thelostbookshelf.com. And cool. my books are on Amazon. Right. And Nix's Mate dot pub and glassliarpress dot com and ibbotsonpress dot com. <laughs> They're all over the place. All right. Yep. <laughs> okay. Get that website up, Gloria. It's just so much easier when you have one internet hub we can go to. But in the meantime, you're right. Okay. Chervena Tre- is spelled C E R V E N A. By the way, C E R V E N A. Barva. Okay. Well, Gloria, I'm not quite done with you. Not quite done with okay. you. I would like if you would be willing to answer one more question. Here's what I'd like you to do is finish this sentence. If writing has taught you anything, it's taught you what? How to be a free spirit. Oh, it's taught you how to be a free spirit. Do you think you were slightly less a free spirit before you started writing? I would say I'm more of a free spirit now. Yeah, so yes. That's excellent. That's good. It didn't grind you down. You didn't all that hard work, all that listening. <laughs> That's good. It's good. Be a free spirit. That's what you're meant to be, Gloria. Yep. <laughs> That's we all right. are. That's <laughs> it. That's it. Well, listen, thank you so much. Uh, keep the poetry coming. Keep watching those serial killers. and. Oh, I will. <laughs> See what happens, and something good will come out. Thanks a lot, Gloria. Oh, thank you so much. Okay. You're welcome. Bye-bye. Okay, bye. bye. Free spirit, people. Freedom is our natural state of being. It's true. It's, it's just how we are. We either embrace it or resist it. I say embrace it. Okay, listen, I missed, I missed a show last week. I'm hoping to – I got a European person I'm going to be talking to next week. I hope we can make it work. Ah, oh, these Europeans. I love them, but it, it's tricky even. But Well, hopefully it'll work. Hopefully it'll work. Uh, but if it doesn't, well, so be it. It'll be back the week after that. But hopefully it will. I want to thank R.J. Jeffries, my fabulous producer. Thank you as always, R.J. And the rest of you, go. Well, you can't go, but find something you love to do right from where you are. Find something you love to do and do it. Do it.